All right, PJ, we're going to take people behind the scenes here a little bit. Obviously, there's still some Area 51 stuff that, you know, people just can't know about. Oh, of course. Yeah, can't let them know too much or else they just... Mostly like what our office fridge looks like because <clears throat> no one needs to know what that looks like. No, no nobody. <laughs> nobody. That should probably be but, cautioned off. Uh, no, let's take a behind the scenes. Uh, spoiler alert. Three and outs back. Oh, thank goodness. But... In keeping with three and out fashion. Okay. It's more of a two and out situation today. Okay. Ben Troop and Kevin Thomas back. There we go. Listen, they're like the Braves. They're just trying to work their way back to full health. So true. And once they do, there's going to be an unstoppable force as they were in the past. But they got some things to work out. Are they going to do that? Are they going to go 500 for a month? Well, I mean, I kind of feel like that's where they are right now. (laughs) I mean, they're kind of working out the kinks. Little up, a little up, little down. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and, and then they'll be they'll be back. But no, you get two thirds of the action coming up. No problem. But a hundred percent of the content. It'll be yeah, it'll be fun, very least. On yeah. three and out, so we got we got that going for us. Uh, Kevin Thomas and Ben Troop are back. They will be on coming up here at three o'clock. Uh, but no, I want to go behind the scenes of our show because we got some feedback yesterday, Big Dog. Hey, okay. We got some feedback. Let's let's. Uh... I'm not gonna put names on this. No problem. Uh, but the comment is somewhere on our social media if you want to go find it. Some of the worst local programming I've ever heard. Okay. Yeah, right. All right, All hold right. on. Thanks. And Good I think opener. I think we get to the I think we get to the reasoning behind it. Gotcha. I get college football is big, but damn, do you have to talk about it every day? First of all, I think we had a wide range well, of Well, no, topics first of all, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Make sure to stay tuned. Uh, number two, yes, we do have to talk about college football <laughs> every day. Now, we don't have to. At least a little bit. This is one of my favorite quotes. Uh, it's, a, it's a Ben Bergeron quote. If you don't know who Ben Bergeron is, look him up. Very motivational. Kind of a life coach. Kind of a fitness coach. I shouldn't say kind of. He is a life coach and a fitness coach. Uh, but one of my favorite Ben Bergeron quotes is, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. There we go. So we don't have to talk college football. True. We get to talk college football. Absolutely. And if you really want to dive into not being sarcastic, not being flippant, if you really want to dive into the reason why we talk uh, college football so much on here is listen to what's on our radio from 6 a.m. in the morning until we come on. And then from 3 o'clock in the afternoon until 6 a.m. the next day. It is NFL. It is NBA. And yep. it is maybe like 2-3% Major League Baseball. And only when they, only reason they really talk Major League Baseball is not actually talk about Major League Baseball. Like when was the last time on a any station or any network that you actually heard somebody like breaking down baseball. They only talk about baseball when it's a record or something bad has happened. Mm-hmm. Right? So for the most part, it's NFL, NBA, NFL, NBA, NFL, NBA, right? They're in their like 18th and a half mock, mock draft diving into it. It's like, correct. Man. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to address it. Uh, Turd Ferguson writing in, always a big fan of Turd Ferguson. Uh, who, who is says, it? love the show and three and out. Great job by you guys. Ignore the haters. You guys are better than the ESPN guys. I don't know about all of that. And I'd <laughs> say we are ESPN guys. But more so than ignoring the haters, just trying to explain. Yeah. With the way technology has changed, 
you can go out and get whatever you want. True. You can if you want to listen to NBA gossip talk because that's all NBA talk is now. Nobody actually breaks down games. It's gossip talk. It's LeBron and his relationship with the Lakers. It's, it's Ben Simmons and his relationship with the 76ers. It's it's Kevin Durant and his relationship with fans, right? It's not sports talk. It, it's sports yeah. peripheral talk, right? It, as an NBA fan, too, the last 48 hours have just been... Oh, oh but it's candy. God. It's candy. It's good. Um, I mean, it's it's no different than Entertainment Tonight. Yeah. Just, well, with, exactly. bas- just with basketball yeah. players, right? It's insane. And the NFL is a bunch... It has is really transactional uh, a lot of the times, and then the draft is just dominant. So mm-hmm. it's just... With the way technology works now, if you want to listen to a podcast about somebody talking about Jacksonville Jaguar defensive linemen for an hour at a time, you can find that in a multitude of places. If you want to listen to NBA gossip talk, you can find that in a multitude of places. If you want to listen to, if you want to listen to actual basketball breakdown or actual football breakdown, I can give you a list of guys who, and gals who are amazing at it, Mm -hmm. outstanding at it, right? But what our job is, is to drive engagement with our listenership. And I get an hour every day to come on here and, and talk about sports and talk about things that I find interest, interesting and that I think a majority of our fan base out there finds interesting. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but in the South, college football is king. We're kind of in the hotbed of it, yeah. College football's king. Yeah, so I'd agree with that. It's, I think it was Greg Cody said this on his podcast, The Greg Cody Show, where he says, in, Alab- in Alabama, you're either watching college football or getting ready to watch college football. Because mm-hmm. they were talking about baseball. They were talking about like what, what the fan sh- fandom looks like in baseball. Yeah. Right? And it's completely true. It's like, like if, if you're in Boston right now and you're yeah. not talking about Red Sox and Celtics, and what are you doing? Right. And it's just, it, it's, for it's, sure. and so in this hour, I want to talk about, the, we spent like, 45 minutes last week talking about the history of the Masters. Yeah. yeah. Just because it's interesting. Right. Right. But a majority of our content is going to be centralized around college football. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that fans down here love college football. But a lot of it also has to do with the fact that college football has become 365. It really has. Mm -hmm. And again, we are very macro in how we look at it. We are not micro. Rarely will you ever catch me on here talking about recruiting visits. Right, right, right? exactly. But, I mean, to your point, I was yeah. th- this this morning I was sitting there uh, sitting there for 30 minutes looking at transfer portal news. Well, oh. About transfers coming in, transfers going out, and it was, it was great. But like you said, it's 365. And so to the comment, I get that college football is big, comma, damn, period. <laughs> Do you have to talk about it every day? Question mark. I don't have to. I get to. There you go. And I'm going to talk about college football a lot today because there's damn college football news to get to. And I love all the other shows that we have on here. And those guys are uberly talented. But when was the last time Max Kellerman talked about Ole Miss? <laughs> uh, never. never. Should, should And should he? Uh, no, probably I mean, not. He's, he's got a job. He, his exactly. job is America. My job is coastal Georgia. Right. His job is to talk about the most relevant things across the landscape of an entire nation. My job is to talk things that are relevant in coastal Georgia. Yep. And you know what people down here care about for the most part? Southern college football. And so for an hour a day, and a lot of times not even an hour, if we're talking about commercials, I get like 42 minutes. <laughs> right. And then inside those 42 minutes, I get about 20, 30 to talk college football. And this shouldn't, this shouldn't sound like me complaining. This is me 
explaining. No, no, no. And, and I've and, since the yeah. since the inception of this show, which started in June of a pandemic, yeah, where there were no sports, Ooh. I have tried to be very transparent about what this show is. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just I like to take people through what's going on, and it's just no way me complaining. I, I it's like they talk about a hard knocks, right, all the time. If a coach isn't yelling at you and a coach is ignoring you, that's the worst sign possible. Right. So if we're yeah. not getting negative feedback and nobody's talking about it, that means that that's bad. Yeah. So no. the fact that somebody took time out of their day to complain, I appreciate. Exactly. And 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 both sides of it as well. Just just like Turd Ferguson being able to write in. You know, you, you get a little bit of each, but if you're getting a little bit of each, then that that's a that's a solid thing. Also, hold and, on, I'm gonna put this back up there real quick. Yeah. Turd Ferguson has the best Georgia logo. No, that's incredible. In my mind. I, I would, yeah, I would love to see that on the sides of the helmets. No, or something, no, okay, but like, that's too far. I, I, that's I, I, too far. No, I don't think that it is. That is way too far. I don't think it is. For the people listening, his uh, his avatar is the like late 80s, early 90s uh, bulldog drawing with the hat with the G on it. It's incredible. It's a great. It's a, it's a beautiful one. It's incredible. But no, to his point, it's it's not it's not ignoring the haters. Shouldn't do that. But it, it and it's not complaining. It's yeah. addressing feedback. Like that's it. And, and that's what sometimes you need to do that. That's just, perfectly fine. Just trying to be transparent. And uh, yeah. speaking of college football, got a whole mess of spring games coming up this Saturday. And I think some big time storylines uh, coming up. Uh, you know, I shouldn't say this this Saturday because there are a bunch on Saturday, but really this weekend, right? Uh, so it really kicks off on Thursday. Florida has their spring game on Thursday, 730 on SEC Network. Uh, we're going to have Zach Goodall from Sports Illustrated on. Uh, on Thursday to preview that because I think it's a big deal. No matter if you're a Florida fan, Georgia fan, just Southern College football fan, I think you want to know what's going on down there. Billy Napier has hired, I believe, 50-plus coaches Whew. since he got down there. <laughs> yeah. And you got, like, you of course you have, like, the, the player personnel coaches and you have all of your on-field coaches and you have the analysts and stuff like that. But also, he has a bunch of, like, atmosphere coaches. And tempo coaches and environment coaches, right? That are down there. I'm not taking anything away. Billy Napier got the job of Florida. He's getting making some cheddar, mm-hmm. right? Making some absolute cheddar. So I'm not going to take anything away from his decision making because I'm not getting paid tens of millions of dollars to coach football down in Florida. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. How does Anthony yeah. Richardson? Uh, fit inside that Billy Napier offense, I think he's going to be a great fit. It's one of the reasons why I am not sold on the fact that Florida won't finish second in the East, even with as bad as they were okay. last year. I, yeah. I think that team quit on Dan Mullen last year. Oh yeah, and it's hard There's for me. No doubt. It's yeah. it's hard for me to look at Billy Napier, who turned Louisiana into a perennial ten win team, right, and beat some really good teams in his time there. He had a quarterback uh, for those of you who don't follow Sun Belt named Levi Lewis uh, in his time at Louisiana, who's a really good Sun Belt quarterback. Anthony Richardson has a lot of the same traits, except Anthony Richardson's like three, four inches taller than him, faster than him, stronger than him, and has a bigger arm. Yep. So I think if you fit Anthony Richardson into that Billy Napier offense, Florida could be really interesting uh, coming up this fall. And then on Saturday, again, you have a ton of big-time spring games. Arkansas, who a lot of people are pointing at as the top contender in the SEC West to Alabama. Miami, uh, with first-year coach down there, Mario Cristobal, talking about turning around, flipping the culture over that one's fascinating to me also at noon mississippi state also at noon ohio state also at noon ucf if you're looking for a local storyline in the ucf one thomas castellanos uh from ware county is in his freshman year out there at ucf he's competing for a quarterback job 
down there. You'll get to see him sling it around a little bit. Hour later, 1 o'clock, defending national champions on ESPN2, the Georgia Bulldogs. And we're going to get into, coming up in the next segment, five storylines that I'm watching from that spring game because we're off tomorrow uh, due to Braves baseball. And then I want to get into some of these other spring games a little bit later in the week. Uh, Also, a little bit later in the day, Michigan State. That's going to be an interesting one for me just because of the turnover they're going to have again, right? Last year, they signed 20-plus transfers. What does it look like this year without Kenneth Walker? Uh, Also at 2 o'clock, if you're into just watching bad football, Vanderbilt plays at 2 o'clock. 3 o'clock, Alabama, their spring game. I don't know that there's a ton of storylines nationally in this one, right? You kind of know what Alabama has. They have the best offensive player and the best defensive player in the country. Yeah. If you want to just see some yeah. fun, some, some fun crazy plays, yeah. I'm sure there will be a couple in that. But. Yeah, but on Thursday, we're going to be joined <laughs> by Drew DeArmond. Uh, he's going to break that game down for us as well there. 4 o'clock, Virginia Tech. Our good friend Sean Quinn up there coaching the backers, baby. Oh, yeah. On Brent Pease, uh new staff up at Virginia Tech. And then at 7 o'clock, we get our first look at Spencer Rattler in a South Carolina uniform. So the reason why I'm so excited is that's a damn full Saturday of college that's football. That's a full slate, man. That is a full Saturday of college football before Easter, man. And you, you love it in, in April when you turn on the TV and start flipping around and you can't find anything but college football. Yeah. Like that, that's that's going to be great. It's going to feel like a, a real Saturday in the – well, yeah. not exactly, but it's going to feel really close to a Saturday in the fall, and it's beautiful to have that in April. Again, we're going to dive into Georgia spring game coming up next, but uh, Ben Herndon writing in here uh, on YouTube. What's up, guys? Thoughts on Georgia Southern baseball getting snubbed out of the top 25 after winning the series against number 10 Texas State. I don't know how to feel about baseball rankings in college because there are so many different rankings, right? right. It kind of It's kind of like back when football had like the five, six different rankings, and then the BCS kind of took all of those rankings, and that's how they spit Threw them out. Together. There <laughs> are so many different baseball rankings, but I will say that that Georgia Southern is playing some really damn good baseball a little bit earlier in the year. Beat the hell out of Georgia. Yep. So, I mean, Georgia Southern's doing it. Shout out to Sammy Blancato, though, up playing for the Georgia Southern Eagles, PJ, to take you back, and this one makes me feel old. I coached Sam Blancato for Kell High School's middle school team okay. up in Marietta. Yeah. That guy was a baller. He was like four foot nothing. But he was our so backup like, quarterback. Yeah, like my size. He was our backup quarterback, and my man was was tough. And now he's doing it uh, over there at Georgia Southern. And then uh, y'all going to come up to cover the Georgia Southern spring game. We will be at Paulson. I would not miss that for the world because I am excited to see that offense Yeah. and what they can do. Because, listen, going from that pistol triple to uh, as much as they want to kind of push it to the side and really not give you an idea to some four wide sets. Yeah. Right. That's not in, a transition. In, in that's a, that's yeah. an overhaul. That's man. a 180. That's, that's a, like we had a house built. Let's tear it down and yeah. rebuild it from the ground up, and let's see how it works. And and hopefully it'll it'll turn out well, man. Like yeah. you said, very very hopeful to see how that how that turns out, how that transition works. Yeah. So we'll be at Paulson checking that one out because I'm I'm really excited. Uh, some interesting stories coming out about Clay Helton too. The athletic uh, Grace Rayner uh, just did a big profile on him. And I think the maybe the biggest storyline that's getting passed over is the fact that because he got the $10 million buyout from USC, which he kind of joked he turned into the world's highest-paid babysitter uh, after he got fired, he got that $10 million buyout. He's only collecting a salary of $800,000 a year at Georgia Southern, and so they've been able to use that money to go out and hire really good assistants, right? 
like a Brian Ellis offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hire him away after uh, Bailey Zapp set all those records there at Western Kentucky. Uh, so you're able to hire him and then nutrition and strength coaches. Uh, so I think that's going to be something to watch at Georgia Southern. Maybe not this year, but over the years to come uh, with Clay Helton. But again, we got to take a break. We're going to come back, give you the top five storylines uh, to look for coming up on G-Day on Saturday. And then we'll continue to look at some of the other spring games uh, this week as well. And then a little bit later in the show, take a look. Braves get absolutely smacked by the Nationals. Yeah. And it's, uh again, we talked about it yesterday. We're going to talk about it again today. If there is a worry for the Braves, it is now starting pitching. Good news is, is it's very early in the season, and you can address that if you need to. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. We're presented to you by the Uniform Source in Savannah, two different locations to take care of all of your uniform needs. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after this. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have you hanging out with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. All right, PJ, we don't have a show tomorrow. True. Braves baseball, little getaway day action coming up uh, in their series with the Nats. With the, they're currently down 0-1 That's in the fine. series after just getting the Nats some hope after giving getting just smacked around. Braves now two and three on the season. Rough outing there for Waskar. You know, we'll break that down uh, coming up here in a little bit. But this Saturday, G Day in Athens, choosing to do it during the heat of the day. Oh, yeah. Which I get. Kirby Smart doesn't like to treat it as anything other than a recruiting opportunity mm-hmm. and another practice. It's just the final practice out of spring. But that being said, I, I do think going into the game, it's easy to just go in there like, hey, I just want to enjoy some football at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Right? But if you're looking for some storylines to watch, I'm going to give you five. One of them involves quarterbacks, but it is not the one you think. There's no reason to watch this game if you're just going into it going, one of these guys pushed Stetson mm-hmm. to be the starter. I told you, coming up September 3rd in Mercedes-Benz against Oregon, number 13, he's going to be rolling out there as the starting quarterback. Right? Not really a big reason not to believe that. So. Uh, it's just, For whatever reason, there's still some segment of the Georgia fan base that doesn't love having Stetson Bennett as their starting quarterback. And like B.J. Bennett says, they just want somebody that's 6'5 back there. It doesn't matter who it is. They just want some big dude back there slinging the rock around. So... That being said, don't watch it for that. But quarterback-wise, I do think there is a couple of reasons to watch. Number one, who's going to be the backup? It seems like it's Carson Beck, and from all indications, he's having an awesome spring, uh, maybe the best arm talent on the team from a lot of the things we're reading. Uh, But Brock Vandegriff is really coming into his own, too, so interested to watch those two guys, and I think that's one of the biggest storylines. Also... What do the five up front look like on that second team line? Because we talked about it last or yesterday. You just took a pretty big hit yeah. losing three guys from that offensive line. Now, were any of them going to be starters? No. Right? Owen Condon, Amarius Mims, uh, and I don't know why. Oh, Clay Webb. Slip in my mind there. But those three guys were big-time death pieces, but they weren't going to be starters. But when you look at that second-team line, Georgia's now worried about fielding two teams. Right. I mean, one guy rolls an ankle, and all of a sudden you might have somebody going both ways. Yeah. Right? Having to switch out uniforms every time they run onto the field. So something to watch there is depth. Uh, But if you're looking for the local slant, again, uh, we talked about this yesterday. Micah Morris uh, 
out of Camden County is a guy who's pushing for playing time on that first team. He's going to be lining up with that second team line. And then uh, South Effingham own South Effingham's own Austin Blasky is another guy to watch as well, lining up a tackle for that second team unit. So line depth is something I, I would absolutely want to watch. Number three, and I think this is one is really interesting. First team wide receivers. Now, tight ends are, you know, it's going to be Brock Bowers come fall. Uh, and Darnell Washington's a guy who's going to play a lot, right? And Eric Gilbert is a guy who's been playing a lot this spring. So we know a lot about the tight ends, but we're not going to see Brock Bowers and we're not going to see Darnell Washington. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to see a pretty wide receiver heavy spring just because they don't have a ton of tight ends on the roster. Like Ryan Goad uh, and Oscar Delp, probably going to be one, two, and they'll be on one of those guys. Maybe Brett Scyther. Uh, playing a little bit as well. One of those guys will be with the first team. One of those guys will be the second team going head-to-head against each other. But I'm interested to see who rocks out there with the ones at wide receiver. If I had to guess right now, I'm probably going, of course, A.D. Mitchell is your ex. Yeah. But at slot, a lot of people want to put Kyrus Jackson in there. I think it's going to be Ladd McConkie. Yeah. It's a very good possibility there yeah. for sure. And and like you said, I think we talked about a, a week or two ago, has been having a, a really good spring and have heard a lot of really good things mm-hmm. about him too. So, um, it, yeah, I, I think that's a very intriguing storyline. And like you said, A.D. Mitchell has has his spot locked up. But uh, who's on the other side too and, and who's in the slot I think is huge to me. Um, and and that battle between McConkney and, and Jackson is yeah. Very notable. Well, I think Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint will probably be the guy you see lined up at the other side. Yeah. And so you'll have A.D. Mitchell. He'll be playing your George Pickens position, and then uh, Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint will be kind of playing Jermaine Burton's uh, position from last year. But I think Ladd McConkey, a lot of people thought, like, okay, he's just a fill-in while Kyrus Jackson gets healthy. I think he's a little bit more explosive than Kyrus Jackson. Kyrus Jackson's a great route runner uh, and just knows how to find space in the middle of the field. And he's going to play a lot, like, just because these guys are first team in the spring game. Uh, or their second team in the spring game doesn't mean they're not going to be playing come fall. All of these guys are going to get reps. But Kyrus Jackson, I don't think quite as explosive as Ladd McConkey. Another thing to watch uh, coming up in the spring game, how does that secondary lineup? Because uh, Brooks Austin, our good friend who was on with us last week, uh, is reporting that William Poole, a guy who really saw his snap count go up in the SEC championship and then through uh, the semifinals in the national championship, playing that kind of star position, Apparently, they've been testing him out at corner. Now, could this just be a depth thing? Could it be it's spring and you're just trying to see how guys line up and what they look like uh, in those spots? And you're just trying to test everything out to see what works the best? Sure. But at the same time, is it maybe you feel like you have a better option there at the star? Or nightmare scenario, you don't feel like either one of your corners opposite Keely Ringo are getting the job done. Yeah. Because we've heard a lot about Nyland Green, uh, and he's been playing well reportedly, but playing well in a Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp-led defense yeah, probably isn't going to cut it. Right. And remember what they did around this time last year? You go out and get Darion Kendrick. Yeah. Because you didn't feel like you had what you needed to on this team. So I think Keely Ringo takes the next step. I think he's probably a top 10 pick come next year's draft. But who's going to line up on the other side of him I think is absolutely something to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, the, the talent in the SEC, especially at the wide receiver position and with those guys leading your defense, they're not going to take anything short of, of excellence, so you need that. We already have seen kind of what can happen to a defense when you have real one really like really solid corner and the other corner is kind of all right. Just, just look at the Atlanta Falcons from last year and, and see an example of that. So 
yeah, I, I'm with you there. Hopefully, it's it's more just kind of testing guys out, testing pool out, and and seeing what he can do, and less the the yeah. latter, uh, because like you said, need those two corners to to be just incredibly incredibly talented, talented, incredibly solid at what they do to be able to to slow people down in the SEC. And I, I mean. Most likely, if if you're looking later to to the SEC championship, if you make it, you're looking at Alabama on the other side. You know what they oh, can do. I, it, you're gonna be looking <laughs> you know at know Alabama. What they can do. You're gonna be looking at Alabama on the other side. Uh, defensive line, I think, is something to watch as well. Who rocks out there with the ones? You know, Jalen Carter's got his spot locked up. Yeah. You thought yeah. Warren Brinson was going to be one of the other guys, and he potentially still will be, but he's dealing with some legal trouble coming from. It, it's a water gun incident, but shooting people who weren't his friends with like the water beads. Yeah. I don't know if you've yeah. seen those those new those new water guns that they have now, but it's basically it shoots little water pellets right at people. So shooting some people who weren't his friends with that. So he's having to deal with the Athens Clark County police with that. Kirby Smart and obviously the defensive staff not overly happy uh with him right now. So if I had to guess it's gonna be Zion Logue and then another guy to watch Tyrion Ingram Dawkins. Number 93, when he comes out there, is getting a lot of really good reviews uh, this spring. Tramel Walthour uh, out of Liberty is going to be a guy who plays a lot, but he's dealing, I think he had his knee scoped, and then they just decided to go ahead and do a full repair. So we probably won't see him until the fall, but he's going to be uh, a big-time guy. So a lot of different position groups to watch. Uh, and then finally, and this one I think is interesting because it used to always be the biggest storyline with this school, but just with the changing culture of college football, really has been the last couple of years. Running back room, man. Mm-hmm. When was the last time Georgia lost their two top running backs and it's just kind of a meh yeah. conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, no, where you're, just, sure. where you're not overly excited to talk about it, right? When Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall move on, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb are like the top storyline, yeah. right? And then think about it when they do, too. Yeah, and, yeah. So, and so now James Cook and uh, Zeus move on to the league, both going to be drafted, and it's just kind of a quiet, kind of a little quiet storyline. Yeah going out there. It, Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton are 1-2. Dejan Edwards, uh, I think, is going to be your clear, cl- cl- clear cut. I need to do my vocal practices before <laughs> I hop on the show. Yeah. Uh, clear cut number two. Uh, but you got some interesting guys to watch as well back there. So I think the running back room is going to be fun. And then you want a little want a little bonus before we go to break? Absolutely. Always. Listen, Jake Camarda was an all-American level punter for you these last few years at Georgia. He's gone. He had an awesome combine. Run like a four seven. Good for him. Right? Yeah. But a couple people to watch. Jared Zirkle is a person to watch there at the punting position. How about Noah Jones out of old Cairo, Georgia? Okay. Matthew Sumlin uh, is a guy to watch there as well. I mean got a lot of them out is there. Is our is our boy Noah Chumley still on the team? I'll have to look that out up. Out of Savannah Christian? Yeah. I'll, Let me do I'll a little to, command I'll have to F. Check that out. But no, that's that's very true. That's something to look out for. I think to the to the point of the running backs, I I don't think it's because people you know think that there's a lack of talent back there or anything like that. I, I think very excited about what could be taken over in the running back. I think just people's and it, I I know we're going back to the same thing. I think people's focus is just on the wrong thing. It's kind of slipping under the radar because the hot topic is is the quarterback position. Where again, it, should it be? Probably not. But that's where the focus is, and I think we're, for you know us, we dive in a little bit more with, with, with the defense is a very good thing to look forward to, but, but is also kind of a, a big topic in that secondary too. So I think it's, it's less 
people, you know, not not believing in the running backs. I, I'm certainly excited to see them come back for sure and think they can they can come out with some insanely exciting plays. Like I, I think seeing those two guys kind of take over and and be the dudes at in that running back room is right. going to be exciting because I think the potential there is is huge for both of those guys. But I just think the focus is is kind of not on them right now. Maybe that's a good thing. You know, maybe slipping under the radar a little bit and then taking the college football and, and SEC world by storm here come fall is a good thing for them. Oh, I think those two guys are going to be big-time storylines come the fall, just the way As Tom Munkin likes to run his offense yeah. and just how good they are. Like, no, talent-wise, yeah. Kendall Milton might have been the best dude in the room last year, just couldn't really stay healthy, and it's, just, it's hard to get Zamir White and James Cook off the field. Of course. Like, third, fourth-round picks in the NFL draft, potentially. Yeah. Right? Hard to get those dudes off the field, but at the same time, just as big as he is and as fast as he is, and he's been breaking runs uh, up there during spring practice, uh, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun to watch. Again, all that coming up, 1 o'clock on Saturday there, G-Day in Sanford Stadium there. You, wanna, you don't want to be the team in the black uniforms, right? Uh, I mean, uh, it look cool at very least. It's hot though. It's gonna be hot no matter what. That's how I look at Georgia, man. It like, it's gonna be hot no matter what. So unless you're out there in a tank top and shorts, whatever you put on is gonna be terribly hot. So, if I can look cool at least while doing it, give me the black uniform. That's the reason why Tampa Bay and the Chargers <laughs> wear uh, white uniforms at home, man. It's just it's hot. Yeah. We'll see. Know, it's rough out there. Either way, you're wearing football pants. Either way, we're watch, just, either way, we're watching football, so it's going to be a good time. Again, ton of games coming up on Saturday. We're going to be breaking down some more of them as we move forward in the week. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll, we'll dive into the dismal performance from the Braves and Waskar Enoa next. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Okay, I promise we're going to talk Braves, but I just got sent an article, and I just I think this is awesome and also terrible at the same time, if that makes sense. Okay. Cool. Yeah, there's a lot of things like that. You you with me? Uh, yep. Knock if you're with me. Well, all right, cool. PJ's with me. All right. <laughs> so Texas defensive tackle Moro Ajomo last Thursday uh, started speaking on the culture there at Texas, which I don't know if there really is a culture at Texas right now, unless the culture is losing to Kansas. Hey-o. Uh But that being said, he has some interesting things to point out there uh, in terms of his team and just kind of the culture around Texas. Uh, he says they're 18 to 22 year olds. Again, Moro Ajomo is a senior defensive tackle on this team. They're 18 to 22 year olds that want to chase women, want to chase money, want to chase alcohol, and they don't see the future. They're very distracted by what is in front of them. It's such a hard thing, especially guys that haven't been in a winning culture. That's why it's very easy for a lot of these powerhouses to keep going because it's established. The new guys just come in and they're like, oh, bleep, this is how we have to do it. Oh, bleep, this is what we do. It's so much more difficult. They're always. They always talk about coming here and changing stuff, coming here and changing stuff if it's ingrained. You're uprooting what? Ten years of that's just been let go and go by. They're more worried about being on 6th Street than like balling out and making $50 million. So he's just talking about, you know, maybe more worried about what you want to do. Maybe balling out, maybe chasing some members of the opposite sex, Mm -hmm. right? Worried about everything but, you know, being a good football team. Yeah. Right? I have not great. Zero wrong. Like I have zero problem with anything he just said. Right. No. I think it's true, right? Yeah. Like when it's the it's the hardest thing to get going, right? Uh Nick Saban comes to Alabama. They've been struggling for a little while before he gets there and he starts trying to implement a culture. Uh but you go I believe they went seven and six. 
his first year. Is either seven and six or six and seven? One of the two, but they lost him in row right. that first year, right? It was painful. Not great. And then he always talks about that first recruiting class that he got in with the Julio Joneses, right? And talked about how they kind of changed the culture because they became a player-led team, yeah. right? And they were guys who came in, bought into the system, and were worried about being great. Mm-hmm. That's what they were worried about. And once you have that established, right, Nick Saban, like once you get the ball rolling, right. Nick Saban doesn't really have to do anything except kind of just, you know, nip little things in the bud, right? Just small, just touches. Every now and then go to the media, say something when he wants to get his team in the right direction. But that thing is a machine at right. Alabama now. Kirby Smart has kind of started to build that now at Georgia, right? Ohio State, regardless who the coach is, is kind of that machine, yep. right? Where it's just they bring players in, you buy into the Ohio State system. If you do it, you're going to be a draft pick and you're going to go to the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just it becomes this machine. And here's the part that I don't like is Steve Sarkeesian was asked about the comments. And again, this is Steve Sarkeesian who just spent a multitude of years in the Nick Saban coaching car wash, supposedly inheriting the things that Nick Saban does, like what this is what people hire you for if you coach for Nick Saban, is they want you to bring over that Nick Saban knowledge to their program. Uh, he says, I thought the forum was really poor. He should not have done that in public. A really good player-led team, those issues get taken care of in the locker room, get taken care of in the meeting room. If you're really a family, you don't go out and talk about the family business. You take care of things internally. I think his intentions were right, but the delivery in the forum that it was used was poor. And then ask if he would be disciplined. He said he won't be talking to you guys for a while. <laughs> Dude, I have heard Nick Saban say the things that that senior defensive tackle for your team just said a million times. Yeah. A million times. And he has used the media because he knows these guys consume it to deliver that message. So if anything... I would be saying he's everything he says is 100% right. Well that that sounds like a coach to me who doesn't like doesn't like that those things are having to be said and probably would rather it come from him. I I get I don't know, but that's a coach reading between the lines that doesn't like that those things are are happening and doesn't like that a player just just brought it up, but he he knows the players, right? He knows he's right. He just doesn't like that he he is right. He doesn't like that he's telling the truth. Well, here. So then he goes to that. That I I I hate when when the whole family thing is brought up in that way. Yeah. Because it's like now Steve Sarkeesian is is just trying to cover himself, and he's like, yeah, it shouldn't have been brought up with that way. He had the good intentions. Blah blah blah. Like, man, you're you're just mad that it's happening in the first place. Correct. Let's be real, and and that you can't get control. Yeah, and you're mad that your team was. Extremely disappointing last year. So he has to like he has to yeah. put it on Extremely on the other guy. Disappointing. Dude, here's no, another Texas seven and five. And here's another comment from a Jomo when asked like when he would consider Texas to be quote unquote back because it's the running joke, right? Of course, yeah. Texas is back. You had Sam Ellinger after they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. We're back, like yeah. all of that, right? They ask him when would Texas officially be back. He says players have to make a stand. Basically, say enough is enough. Seven and six BS. Texas isn't happening anymore. We have the ability. We have the talent. Get your mind right. We're going to go win. Yep. Like, what part of that do you feel like you need a discipline as a coach? Complete opposite. And when you say, oh, he's not going to talk to you guys anymore, bleep that. He's the only guy who's going to be talking to y'all now. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. I, I think that's sending the wrong message as a coach. If anything, you, you put those comments up on 
you know, the, the projector screen before practice, whatever, when you have your team meeting, and you say, this is the guy we need to rally behind. And, and yeah. his words are right. And this is, what, this is, the question mark, this is a question mark I've <laughs> always had about Steve Sarkeesian, is that I understand he has gone through a lot in life, but just, I think, in fairness, really good coordinator, yeah. don't know how great he is as a head coach. Right. Especially at a school like Texas. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see, obviously, but comments like that, you're just like, come on, man. Stand by your dude. Right. You're creating a rift where there's not a rift. You know how he you know how he just completely makes this a non story? Is he goes, Did he say anything wrong? Now it's a non story. But all of a sudden you've created this divide between you and your, one of your best players. And you can and, and from a fan perspective, I'm not saying I'm a fan, but like from the fans outside looking in, one guy's like putting his heart on the line, saying, Hey, here's what we need to do to get things right. And on the other side, a guy is chastising one of his players. Who which side do you think the fan base is on? Have we ever had a player coach in college football? Because I feel like yeah, maybe we know, should. You know, maybe I, maybe we should now. Listen, hey, if, if he wants That's to trans- if he wants to transfer to a team that you know, hey, hold might on. have a postseason. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, I think the Bulldogs are always looking for extra defensive tackles. Come but to that's Penn just State. me. Come to Penn State. No, that's just, just me. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, recap the Braves. They got another one coming up tonight uh, against the Nationals. We'll dive into it next right here on Second Down. Another rough outing for the starting pitching of the Atlanta Braves. We got our first look at Waskar Enoa last night uh, since he decided to punch a bench last year when he was bench. I want to be very clear. Bench. Bench. <laughs> B-E-N. I don't think anyone. C-H. Uh, it came out very fast yeah. and that was dangerous. Decided to punch a bench last year. Uh, he gets the loss. Three innings pitched, five earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts for Waskari Noah and the Braves, 11-2 to loss to the Washington Nationals. And, PJ, I think something that Braves fans are allowed to be concerned about is this. We are five games into the season. I get, I get, I get that you have 157 more to go. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. But right now, the defending world champions are 28th out of 30 Major League Baseball teams and starter ERA. Yeah, that's not great. Six runs a game. Yeah, absolutely. Need, need, need to get that worked out for sure. Hopefully these are just, I know people have heard it like 900 times by now, right? But hopefully this is just working out the kinks from the really, really short spring training that they got, and they need to get a couple of starts under their belt to really just get kickstarted, get everything going on. And even, like you said, Yaskari Noah, this is the first time we've seen him since he, you know, punched that bench. So Bench. Exactly. So he's even coming off of off of injury and trying to work through that. So he, he even longer than the other guys. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it's just that. Think about it, too. Put it in perspective. There's only really been one start for all these guys. So that's just, that's just one outing. You get roughed up a little bit. They come back, and, and hopefully the second time around, we'll see more stability from that starting pitching. But I, I'm with you, though. I mean, you got to improve. Got to improve. Can't have that really go, going on any longer. Because as you say, as BJ says, I completely agree. Every game does certainly count. Two and three right now counts the same as two and three right before you go into the yeah. playoffs or try and get in the playoffs. So, um, you know, have this little bit of a jump start, a little bit of, you know, shaking up a little bit, Come back to it and, and get back in, in the swing of things, get back in motion, hopefully, the next time out for both these guys. How about this, PJ? This time, two years ago, Bryce Elder 
playing college baseball for Texas. Tonight, he will make his Major League Baseball debut as the starter for the Atlanta Braves, wearing old number 59. Uh, last year, he played for three different affiliates, Rome, Mississippi, and Gwinnett. Uh, had a 2.75 ERA there. So excited to see Bryce Elder uh, get his first start. Hopefully, listen, pitching hasn't been great. Bats haven't been very good either. So True. hopefully we get to see those bats get going here a little bit tonight as well. we got three and out coming up next. I'm not joking. They're back. <laughs> ben Troop, Kevin Thomas. Thomas coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. If you miss any portion of our show, uh, you can check it out on ESPNCoastal.com or wherever you get your podcast. No show tomorrow due to Braves baseball, but we will talk to everyone on Thursday.